How are we doing, Christ community? Good to see you guys today. Those of you who are here in person, those of you who are worshiping with us online, um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here and really glad to be in worship with you today. Thanks for being with us. If you're new, we would love to know that you're here, whether that's, again, in person or online. Um, if you're here in person, you can let us know a couple different ways. You can use your phone to, take, um, to use the QR code on the seat in front of you, and all you gotta do is just put the camera over that QR code and it should take you to our Connect card you fill it out there, or you could go out to the desk on your way out, the welcome desk there, and um, meet somebody, let them know you're here, and we would love to know you that way, be able to help you take next steps, we pray for you, answer any questions, and the same thing for those of you who are online, if you hit the connect button, that'll take you to our online connect card, and we would love to be able to introduce you to the best things about Christ Community Church, which is really our people, so we'd love to connect all of you if you'd let us have that privilege, please. All right, so I wanted to um, step in and introduce to you the newest member of our pastoral staff. So Ezra, if you'd make your way up here. Um, about, <laughs> y'all don't know how loud we wanna clap for this. So it's, Ezra is the fruit of about 18 months of, of prayer, of work, of search, of waiting for the Lord, and um, we didn't have to wait on you very long. But um, we met Ezra several months ago through our search process for our adult ministries pastor position. And uh, right away, the things that we loved about Ezra, first of all, um, he walks with the Lord. And that is really kind of the first thing we're asking and looking for and trying to discern. Um, if he's gonna lead us spiritually, then we want to know that he's gonna lead us in the right ways and, and really appreciate your walk with the Lord and the intentionality of that. He asked great leadership questions in the interview process, and so he's an intentional leader. That was our gut as we began that process, and it definitely fleshed out through, through his res, reference checks and all that kind of stuff. And the other thing we learned about you just recently, um, he's really good at cornhole. And it's, <laughs> who knew? Yeah. So he comes to us from Crown College. He's the dean of students there for nine years, and I'm thinking it's all those years on campus that the, if you're hanging out with college kids, you ought to be good at some things, and um, that's one of them. So I'm gonna let you, would you introduce us to your family and then talk about what you're excited about as you join our staff here? Sure, thanks, Daryl, appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate your welcome to me and my family, thank you. We've been here for a couple weeks, and it, we've just felt the hospitality and kindness, so I'm very grateful to you. My family uh, should be up on the screen. So my wife, Molly, we've been married for just shy of 20 years. We have three awesome kids. Adeline, Silas, and Malachi are going into eighth, fifth, and kindergarten, uh, respectively. And uh, though the picture might look like we are perfect and have it all together, we are going through life like everybody else, and we need community like everybody else. And that's one of the one of the things that I'm excited to uh, to be part of this community. You know, you walk into places and you can feel whether or not the community is real. And in my process, part of my observations through this process was getting to know you all. And from all the things that I can see, it's real here. And it is genuine here. And it's not perfect. No place is. But we are excited to be part of this community. And uh, another reason we're excited, another reason I'm excited to serve you here and serve with you here is, it's pretty simple. It's the vision. The vision of this church to, to be a church that honors Jesus, that loves each other, and that serves our neighbors, you know, there's a lot of churches that do the first two things well, honor Jesus and love each other. A lot of churches do that. But to get that third element, that, that makes Christ's community unique. 
And we are well positioned and well equipped here to, to live out that vision in the greater Rochester area. And it's, it's, I'm excited and it's our privilege to be able to serve with you and alongside of you in fulfilling that vision uh, to the Lord's beloved here in this area. Uh, so one of my responsibilities is our small group ministries, which we call life groups. And so if you are interested, here in the next few weeks, we're gonna launch a new season of this, but if you're interested uh, in getting into a life group, in leading a life group, in launching something new, come find me, introduce yourself, talk to me, and I would be glad to uh, uh, figure that out with you. I'm grateful to be here serving with you all. Thanks. So will you guys join me in welcoming Ezra to our staff? grateful for you, man. Really grateful that you're here. All right, so if you guys would please stand and we'll continue our time of worship. So before Pastor Greg comes out, I want to um, acknowledge we're on the front end of the school year. And so we know there are a lot of people in our church who are teachers, administrators, variety of different places. Uh, some of you teach in homeschools, some of you teach in Christian schools, some of you teach in public schools, some of you are in preschool, some of you teach at colleges. Um, and we just wanted to take a moment as a church to just acknowledge that uh, we are, we are thrilled that God has called you into the education system and has placed you there. And uh, as your church, we're for you, we are with you, uh, we're with you, support, cheers, and prayer. And so we wanted to stop for a moment and just in this worship service and uh, kind of do a commissioning, sending, and um, praying for those of you who are, who are leading in our education system. So I was thinking about this, and I just, what I wanted to say to you is um, your spiritual leaders, your spiritual leaders in our community, those of you who are in, in the school system, you, like, you lead spiritually in our, in our community, and we need you. Jesus has called you into that, he has placed you there, and he has given you the charge to take his life and his light into the environments that he has given to you, and so um, I'm hopeful for our community because people like you are serving in positions like God has placed you in. And so to that end, I would like to, before I pray for you, I'd like to read to you from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's people who have experienced the life and light of Jesus. You are the light of the world. Town built on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand gives light to everyone in the house. You are, you are lamps on the lampstand. So you let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So the way you serve, the way you lead, the way you love, the prayers that you pray, the good deeds that you do, the way you speak, it all matters. It matters greatly. And so we're your church and we are for you and we are with you and we are excited for what God has in front of you in this school year. So if church, you bow your head and close your eyes with me and let's pray together for our teachers and administrators. So Father, thank you for the men and women that you have called into education. And we know it's a calling from you that you've placed on their lives. We're grateful that they've said yes to that. We're grateful that as Christian people, they carry your life and your light into the various classrooms and administrative settings that you've placed them. So I pray in this little bit for hope to stir within them, for courage, for what's ahead, for joy as they teach and as they lead, for your life and your light to shine through them. 
I pray that they hear those words, that they are spiritual leaders and that that resonates deep within them. They, they set the tone, they get to lead and they lead for you and they lead people towards you. And their work, as difficult as it is, their work matters. And I pray that they would hear from our church, but more importantly from you, you're well done. Your little, just little applause to their heart, to their mind, as they begin this school year, may they know that, that you have placed them, that you are with them, that your spirit is in them, that they, that they go each day as representatives and ambassadors of Jesus the Christ, the King. They are his people. We're your people. So I pray for us, that you would help us, that our light would shine before people, that they would see our good deeds and that would bring glory to you, our Father who is in heaven. And we have this great opportunity in front of us, Jesus, because of you. So we pray these things in your name, amen. God bless you, teachers, administrators. We love you, we're for you. All right, Pastor Greg. It is so good to be here uh, tonight. I'm excited about sharing with you a little bit of what God's placed in my heart uh, for us to talk about today. I'm, I'm gonna do something. First of all, I'm wearing my glasses. I'm standing behind the podium, and I'm gonna use a whiteboard, all hoping that you will find them impressive, but they're not. So um, I wanted to be heavy, but I'm not. Uh, so I just wanna start off right away, and with a simple, simple visual I think most of you will get. Some of you won't be all that impressed, but it'll be helpful to our discussion. I want you to imagine a line, okay? A line, and in this line, there is a dot here and a dot here. The dot on the left is the day that you were born, that you came into being, all right? And the dot on the right is the day that you died. Beyond this, if you saw this dots a little bit in, there is an arrow. Why is an arrow, an arrow there? The arrow is there because we actually believe, as Christ's followers, that death is not the end. In fact, it is a beginning. In fact, it's an eternal line that continues. And your salvation and my salvation hinder in the balance of what we do with, with Jesus. John says in his uh, gospel, he says this, for this is how God demonstrated his love for us. While we yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then it says it a little bit differently uh, in John, uh, a little bit elsewhere, where he says, he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him, what? Shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Um, two verses that were, came up in my reading this morning come from John chapter six. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. We believe that, okay? Add to this, 
this issue of tombstones. Um, I, I lived in a small town in Nebraska, and I, believe it or not, I had no friends. So uh, we, I would spend time at the cemetery, believe it or not. It was only 300 uh, yards out of town, and then about another 700 yards from there, we had a swimming hole. So we walked by it all the time, and sometimes I was alone. And I would walk through that cemetery. And for a while, I could tell you who was the youngest person who died there, who was the oldest person buried there, who was the person buried the first there, all that kind of stuff. And it intrigued me because on nearly every tombstone that I've seen, there are two, not two dates, but two dots. And one of the things that I, I, I learned that, that I appreciate is simply this. Um, basically, you say this is the cradle and this is the coffin. And on the tombstone... You have the cradle, the coffin, the death, or the, the, the death and the birth, but you also have something else that's on nearly every tombstone, and it is a hyphen, a hyphen between the dates, and that always awed me, and it awed me because basically they just tell you when they came or when they left, but the hyphen is their story, and I wanted to know their story as a kid. I wanted to know what they were like when they were in elementary school. And I was in elementary school at the time. I wanted to know what was the best day they had as a kid. I wanted to know things like, um, did they graduate? Did they go on to college? Did they find love? Did they get married? Did they have children? Did they find a job that they loved and they had the opportunity to do what they loved? And, and when they died, did they know it was coming? Or was it a surprise? Those kind of things always intrigued me. But on this thing, I'm going to call it the lifeline, there are other dots. And if this is my lifeline, early on in my life, right here, and these are smaller than the, the big uh, bookends, if you please, is this dot. And this is kind of an important dot in my life, because that was the dot in which I trusted in Christ. Now, for some of you, you came to Christ, somebody shared the gospel with you, and you prayed that prayer. For some of you, maybe you went to a concert or a meeting or some kind of gathering, and you heard the gospel, and you gave your life to Christ. But for me, it wasn't that way. It was like a six-month journey. And I can't tell you why it worked out that way. There was different levels and different stages, and it was in this, the June of 1976 when I started that journey. And that fall in 76, everything came together, and I got it. And when I got it, it was a big game changer in my life. I went from being dead in my sin to alive to God, once far from God, now brought near, and not once an enemy of God, dead in my sin, to being a child of God. And it was a big, big deal for me. And I want you to know, when I, that was right during my senior year, when that happened, I want you to know, there wasn't a knock at the door it wasn't like FedEx came and they delivered a box and in that box was a, a halo harp and wings. It didn't work out that way. Still trying to gravitate toward that and I still have issues that I deal with. But asking Christ into my life made that the best year of my life. The next summer, I had graduated and uh, the singing group from, our, uh, from a college that I was gonna go and, and attend um, uh, I met a girl there. She was kind of a beautiful kid. She had a beautiful voice. We talked five minutes. And I've told some of this story before. And that night I got home and my dad says, hey, did you see that girl? Her name was Yvonne. And I said, yeah. Did you talk to her? Yeah. And what'd she say? I'm Yvonne. 
And I said, I'm Greg. And we talked for about that much because my RA in college was also in the group and I wanted to hang with him and get to know him. He said, hey, that Yvonne girl, you should marry her. And I said, knock it off. I'm gonna date everybody who says yes, okay? And, um, and he said, I just think you should check her out. Well, I went to college that fall and we went out for a date September 5th, got engaged November 18th and married June 3rd. And that was a significant day in my life. And that's another dot. This was Christ coming to my life and then this was meeting my wife. A few, a few years after that, we'd graduated from college and then we had four dots that came into our life. Now I want you to stand by the way, Yvonne's dot was here and now Yvonne and I were on this trajectory uh, side by side in this journey called life. But when we got these other dots, they, they came kind of fast. Um, there came Aaron and then Rachel and then Jake and then Josh. By the way, I was talking to a gal out in the um, hallway, and I'm not going to say her name, Kayla King. And um, she had three kids in 13 months. Ooh. And um, that's amazing. But what happens is now we've got six people on this life. Are you tracking with me? And then, guess what? These kids got married, so I got another four dots. And boom, and they're all going. And now we're, and we've got, we got this herd now, okay? And then, like a, like a shotgun blast from about a quarter of a mile, we, we had some grandkids. And the first one, her name is Tiana. And T, Tiana, India, she'll be 19 next month. And then we just had a four-month-old. His name is Kobe. And I think most of you know, between those two, we have 15 other grandkids. It's a lot of lines. Hope I have enough marker for the next message. But here's the deal. You might be sitting back and thinking to yourself, well, Greg, listen, um, my, my line's a little different because um, I was married and I got divorced and I got remarried and then there's stepkids. It's still your timeline. And your life intersects with these other people. And it has a huge impact on your life and it's very, very, very important. You might say, well, Greg, I, I'm not married yet uh, and I have no kids. Cool beans, it's where you're at in your season right now. But all of us have a lifeline that has dots. Dots maybe that were created or dots that came into the family, but they're very, very important. Now some of us, maybe we wanna put some other things on our um, timeline. Maybe um, accomplishments that you've had in your life. Your first job, a big promotion. Maybe you had a banner day at work and you got to move up the ladder. Maybe you got an advanced degree or perhaps a big goal that you set for yourself. Now you might say, Greg, where are you, where are you going with all this? Stick with me for just a minute. If, if we were to try to get a more accurate picture of what I'm trying to communicate here, the space between the dots would be very, very small. In fact, the dots would be close to one another that it would be hard to see them. In fact, they'd be almost microscopic. So close together that you couldn't see them with the naked eye. Yet the line itself would stretch on into eternity beyond our imagination and our comprehension. And I believe this line, this what I'm gonna call uh, is an eternity line as well. And this would be kind of how God sees us from his divine frame of reference. And I think it's pretty obvious to you and to me that the things that are most important are the dots. 
Not the stuff, not the awards, not the accolades, not the recognition, but the people we love. And the way I see it is that these people who end up on our timeline, our lifeline, they are a sacred trust given to us. And and the thing that I realize more often and more than I've ever had in my whole life is simply this, that we have a very short amount of time on this planet. Hardly more than a heartbeat to impact the lives of those who matter most to us. And in my case, it's my wife, Yvonne, my children, their spouses, and my grandchildren. And the responsibility that I have is the responsibility that you have for these who matter to you. See, you make a living, you earn a check, but you play for keeps at home. Our job, especially as parents and then later grandparents, is to help our families, our children and our children's children, to see life from an eternal perspective. It's my job to help my kids and my grandkids to know what really matters most in this very short trip that we call life. And one of the ways I want to visualize this for you a little bit, and I hope it's helpful, is this. This is, this is a hospital room. I was born in one of these, all right? And this over here is an amazing piece. This is a uh, tombstone of a, I think it's my great, 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 great grandfather who was born in 1775 before America even came to be. My dad told me in a conversation I had with him this week that he's actually been there and touched that. He says, that's great, 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 great. I can't even remember what he told me. But here's the scoop, and I want you to get this. This is so important. I want you to get this. Because you, Daryl said something at a, a team meeting that we had this last week, and he said, everybody who's a Christ follower is a spiritual leader. And he's right. So between here and here, I have a congregation here. You get the picture. We have a very short time to impact those that God has given us. And we need to make the most of it. I'm gonna share a couple of verses as we begin. From Psalm 103, 15, 16. We actually looked at this last week. Our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers. We bloom and die, and the wind blows, and we are gone as though we had never been here. Pretty definitive. From Ecclesiastes. Chapter one, verse 11, there is no remembrance of people of old. And I talked about, that's me, all right? And even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. It is a very, 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 very short trip. Let me ask you this question. How many of you, how many of you, doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how many know your parents' names? Okay, awesome, <laughs> pretty easy. Dude, all tests were that easy, all right? How many of you here know your grandparents' names? And this is the one that I'm, I'm anxious to hear. How many of you know the parents of your great-grandparents' names? 
I don't know what the statistic is. I read, and it's in my notes here, that only 34, get this, 34% of all Amer of Americans don't know about family members further back than their, uh, their family tree, than their grandparents. I think it's way more than 34%. All that to say this, almost all of us in this room are just two generations away from being totally forgotten. Totally forgotten. Think about all the stupid stuff we think about that we pursue, that we want, that doesn't matter in this short little line. Accolades, portfolios, acquisition, uh, acknowledgement, recognition, success, the things that success brings. All those, in two, in two generations, nobody cares. And yet we worried about it. I love this, again, from Ecclesiastes 1 in a different translation. It says this, nobody remembers what happened yesterday and the things that will happen tomorrow, nobody will remember them either. Don't count on being remembered. Kind of straightforward. So here's the big idea, okay? We talk about the big idea once in a while. Here's the big idea, the statement that I want you to have in the back of your mind today, all right? And I want you to ask yourself this. What kind of legacy are you leaving for your family? What kind of legacy? Now, I don't know if a thing has popped up here, but I think we can, yeah, right here, like that. Here's the scoop. All through this message, I'm gonna have, these. I'm not even gonna see them because they're not in my notes. And these are here simply and only for you to be distracted so you look up there and realize, I just got distracted because we get distracted and forget what's important. And we forget how fast time flies by. So I've got a bunch of wonderful, touching, will melt your heart quotes on being dead. Okay? So I'm not gonna refer to these anymore, but you will see them. Now earlier in our, our, our year, uh, I think it was, um, um, I just lost his name, for, uh, Kuhn, Bill Kuhn, uh, gave a message, I think, on legacy. And he said this, he said, legacy is about what you leave behind when you're gone. It's about what kind of impact you are making on the people you love and matter most to you. When your time is up on this planet and you're out of here, how will they remember you? I wanna jump forward to this verse. It's in Proverbs. The benevolent man leaves an inheritance that endures to his children's children. Let's pray for a minute. Our Father, if we're really honest, we come to church sometimes, we got so much on a tray, we don't hear what was said, and then we get home, we don't remember where we were even. And yet the thing that I also know is you are always more present than we are because you're always present. Lord, what I would ask in this time that we have together, in your mercy, help us to slow down for the next few minutes, to calm us, to help us clear our heads so we might not be distracted by things that don't matter. Open our hearts to receive what you might have for us in this moment and in this space. Help us to feel and to set your presence among us and help us to listen, participate, and understand your grace in a new way. Praise in Christ's name, amen. So here's, here's the question stated differently. How can you leave a legacy that endures to your children's 
children. And I might just throw this out right up front, all right? If you're looking for a deep message, you can close your night. No, it's not happening. Because <laughs> I'm not deep, all right? And I don't want to be deep. In fact, I'm gonna give you such broad strokes on the canvas. Some of you are gonna leave mad and say, we pay you to do that. And pay me enough that you let me stay, I guess. But I want you to really think, okay, about this. And about these three little, these three little thoughts of making and building a legacy. And here's the first one. You need to love the Lord. And let me give that to you in a different way. Jesus was asked, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Let me say it this way. Your faith, if you wanna impact your children to have a spiritual legacy or even a real good legacy, your faith has to be legit and real. It can't be something you just do on Sundays. Can't be do something that you do maybe once a month. It can't be something you do when you open up your Bible because Aunt Bertha died and you just felt moved to read the Bible for the first time in a long time. It's gotta be real, it's gotta be personal. My wife said it this way, we're talking about this message. She goes, man, day to day you gotta try to live out authentic faith. Last week I mentioned that um, I had eaten a sandwich and it didn't taste right. When I pulled it back, that I saw, that's when I saw the mold. And the bread was stale. The question I wanna ask you is simply this, has your faith gotten stale because your family desperately needs you to be fresh bread at your home? Again, what, what's the point? You've been given an allotted amount of time uh, and you need to seize the day because the days are getting shorter. Your family needs you to be fresh bread. One of the things I appreciate about Daryl and I would say this even if my job was in the line, is from the day one, from day one of Daryl landing here, almost inevitably at least once a week, and sometimes more, he's gonna tell us as a group or a team that's meeting together or the leadership team something that he got out of God's word that day. Not yesterday, not last year, not at seminary, but that day. In fact, he's done that for several years, and Daryl, correct me if I'm wrong, but Daryl says that he gets a new Bible every year and he writes in it from the beginning to end or whatever plan he's having and he makes sure that he reads through the Bible every year. I'd never done that before, but I am about to finish it this year because he kind of set the pace. And I have learned so much stuff. And I was telling Daryl this last week, man, I hit Second Chron or First Chronicles and I got to around chapter 12 and I'm just jacked. I keep going back, but I still have to do my daily reading. I'll be coming back Checking out when I'm learning from that one chapter. When's the last time? I'm just saying. I'm a pastor. I've been doing this 43 years. Some of you are going, and you only read the Bible once during the full year. Yep. Not yet. Read the Bible? Different, yeah, different pieces. But never be able to say that in 12 months I did it from cover to cover. And I have a great deal of regret about that. I'm thankful that Daryl set the bar up for me on that. Yvonne said it this way, you gotta let your kids and grandkids see you experience the presence, the active presence of God in your life. And you can do that by, by pointing out the beauty in God's creation, by speaking the name of Jesus, by praying for and with them when opportunities present themselves. Share real stories about real people and real faith and redemption. 
One of the things Yvonne loves to do when we have Christmas and we have all our kids coming home, and we're, I'm telling you now, because you're not, you realize now we have 27 of us and we're gonna be taking a love offering. And, um, but Yvonne will hit the piano at least once, if not uh, several times during our family gathering, and they're gonna sing music from the piano. All the grandkids join in. And then she says, make sure you tell them things that you're learning as well from God's word. What are you doing to be fresh bread? We gotta set the we gotta we gotta we gotta set the pace. It's up to us. I have a friend who says, I remember my dad. I got up every every day I got up. I cannot remember a day that I didn't see my dad at the table before I was, or on the couch before I was up, and he was reading God's word. And he showed me this picture of this old couch he still has in his garage because he got his dad's couch where he saw them the most often. And he now has it out kind of in the man cave, and that's where he does his devotions at. What are you doing to be fresh bread for your family? Here's one that might surprise you. Love your spouse. I, we could go into the scriptures, all the scriptures says, hey, wives, you need to love your husbands, and husbands, you need to love your wives. Oh, but I'm talking about really loving your spouse. When my kids were small, I'd come home from work and I would always give Yvonne a huge hug and we'd, we'd twirl her around and give her a sloppy kiss and all the kids would go, ah, yeah, go. And they would create you know, this huge fuss and close their eyes and run out. But over the years, all of our kids have shared with us how deeply they appreciated seeing Yvonne and I be affectionate with one another. Came across this in my reading this week. A study by Professor Ray Bird Witzel found that the average American couple talks to each other only 27 minutes a week. 27.5, if you want to exact. Another person also had put, posted that and said this, that's a daily ration of 11, less than four minutes per day. You know, just ha having my wife remind me what I need to do there today is about 10. Um, <laughs> but it's sad. How, how many of you, how many of you gone to a restaurant and you're talking with your spouse and you see two couple, a couple, sometimes older, sometimes younger, and the whole time they're there, they're on their cell phones. And you never see them dial off. I officiated a wedding just a, less than two weeks ago. And um, the groom said, Greg, would you open us with prayer and uh, maybe a, a Bible verse? And this is, this is what I shared with him. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Enjoy life with the wife of your youth, whom you love all the days of this life that God has given you. I thought it was incredibly appropriate. Love your spouse. And then this one. And these, these are just three, the three points. Almost done. Love your kids. My wife has blessed her kids in phenomenal ways in her commitment to pray for them on a regular basis. We all, as parents, have to be doing that on a regular basis. One thing my wife does, she goes for morning walks, and she has this, all these different ways. She prays that on early morning walks. She prays specific scriptures when she knows they're dealing with the issue or a character quality that she thinks they need in their life. She journals prayers. She's got a journal where she describes a couple of our kids, his spouses, 10, 15 years before they met them. When your kid's at home, 
when they were still at home, she was praying for our kids and spouses. And now she's praying for the spouses of our grandchildren. I was thinking about Job, another thing I read recently. And Job, it was blameless and upright. He feared God, he shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. His family was close and they, his children liked to do things together and they would take turns holding feasts in their homes and they would all be there. And then it says this in Job 1.5. Early in the morning, Job would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their heart. This was Job's regular custom. He was intervening on behalf of his children. And of his children's children. Folks, being a parent is hard work. It's not for the faint-hearted. I came across a book. You can look it up. It's a book. It says the dad's book for the dads who's best, for the dad who's best at everything, which made me laugh out loud. I thought, what genre is this book? Is it a comedy, a fiction, a parody, a satire? Maybe it's like my parents. Their, their parenting situation with me was both horror and mystery. Okay, there was many times, my dad would say out loud, he'd look at my mom and say, are you sure? Because he looks like me, but you know, we could have got the wrong baby home. I heard my dad saying another occasion, I took Greg everywhere, but he always found his way back home. <laughs> the, author, the author of this book said this, when I was writing this book, I decided to look up the word father in the dictionary. That's when I realized that father comes right before fathead and just before fatigue. <laughs> Parenting is really hard, guys. It's not only hard for us, but it's hard for our kids, especially in these days. My wife's greatest gift to our children probably is the gift of active listening and communicating. My wife loves talking with our kids. She said, I treasured and valued being a taxi mom and now a taxi grandma. No devices allowed in that car. Sometimes being with them in the car is the only chance I have to have them alone to myself. I never regretted the taxi season, mom season, because it was where some of the best conversations and times occurred. My son Josh recently did vacation with him. He blessed Yvonne's heart when he said, Mom, I don't know how you do it. You have 17 grandkids and 12 of them live very far away from you. Yet all of your grandchildren would say that they feel like they have a very close relationship with you. John 3.18 says, Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. By the way, I came across, and I was telling this to Chad, he's writing the PowerPoint back there. He said, what's LSB? I never heard that before. I didn't either till this week. It's called the Legacy Standard Bible. Thought that was interesting. That'd be talking about legacy today. We should not show love for each other only by what we say. We should, all show, we should also show true love by the things that we do. And my wife is constantly doing things with her grandkids. Now, you might be sitting here, and I just got to throw this out as a caveat. I'm really sorry. Um, I'm talking to parents primarily here. Maybe you're not a parent yet. Maybe you weren't ever a parent. There are other ways you can create a legacy. I have a friend who, uh, his dad died in a heart attack, and another man stepped in his life when he was 13 and filled that gap for Jason. Until this day, and that's 30-some years ago, Till this day, Jason talks about, I don't know what I would have done in my life if it had not been for Bob. 
you can bless maybe some kid that you work with in the WAN or a youth minister or a Sunday school or in your neighborhood. You can start pouring into their life. There's a lot of different ways to do legacy. So here's something interesting. Ever heard the phrase, who's your daddy? Once you catch this one, every parent leads a legacy with their children. No exceptions. Because you're a parent, you have influence. And so if you have influence, you're gonna leave a legacy. Question is, what kind of legacy will you leave? And I came across this story years and years ago, and I like it. A few years ago, a team of New York State sociologists attempted to calculate the influence of a father and mother's life on their children and follow them through generations. In this study, they researched, researched two men who lived in the 18th century, a man by the name of Max Jukes, another man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. These two men were very, very, very different from one another, polar opposites. And the legacy each one of these men left, their descendants, is a study of contrast. They were polar opposites. Max, Duke, Max Jukes lived for himself. He was a narcissist, an unbeliever. If he could get away with it, he would do it. He had absolutely no principles. His wife was the same. And what kind of lasting influence did he leave? His family. Among the 1,200 known descendants of Max Luke's, here's his star-studded list. 440 lives of outright debauchery, 310 paupers and vagrants, 190 public prostitutes, 130 convicted criminals, 100 alcohols who died in their disease, 60 habitual thieves, seven murders. Research showed that not one of his descendants made a single contribution to society, not one. Contrary to that, this notorious, notorious family cost the state of New York back then in the 1800s $1.2 million of damages and law breaking and everything, which comes out to be over $72 million in our economy today. Not much of a legacy. And a guy who lived about the same frame time, his name was Jonathan Edwards. And he was regarded as one of the most brilliant minds in America. He was a noted pastor, astute theologian. He was the renowned scholar who was the instrument God used to bring what we know as the Great Awakening in, the colonial, in colonial America. And later, he served at Princeton College. He came from a godly heritage. He married Sarah, who was a godly woman. And together, they sought out and committed themselves to leave an entirely different legacy. Listen to his list. Among his descendants, 300 pastors, missionaries, and theological professors. 120 college professors, 110 lawyers, nobody's perfect. <laughs> 60 physicians, 60 authors of good books, 30 judges, 14 presidents of universities, numerous giants in the American industry, three US congressmen and one vice president. That was the lasting influence of one godly man who was committed to the cause. Every parent has an influence on their children and on their legacy. And the question I wanna ask you is simply this, will you do so? Are you just interested in the idea? Or are you committed to make it happen? So I close with this, imagine, imagine you don't know what happened, but you open your eyes and you don't know where you are or why you were there. And then as you look around, it dawns on you it's a church and then it dawns on you, it's a funeral, and, and, and the mood is somber, the crowd is quiet, loved ones are making their way past the open casket for the final viewing. 
The service begins, the pastor motions for the congregation to rise, the family of the deceased slowly proceeds to the center aisle down the front, and you're there and you're trying to figure out why you are there, and you look to see maybe if you recognize everybody in the family, and you, you just go white, because suddenly you realize it's your family, and you are attending your own funeral, and in stunned disbelief, you sit. And the pastor begins speaking, and he's nice, flattering, but at the same time, his words are impersonal and generic. Why? Because he's not family. And your family gets up, and one by one, they start making their way and lining up to share about you. And the question I want to ask for you is, what will they say? What memories will they have? Will their faith, faith be real? And will you be memorable? Folks, it's never too late to start. It is never too late to start. But time's a ticking. Let's pray. Father, very, very simple. And first of all, we want to thank you for those of us who have families. We... It's a gift to us. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's tough. Some of us have bad experiences at home or with parents or siblings. I get that. But we, we because of our faith, can change things. And if we can't change the past, we can change the future by committing ourselves to make a difference in the people that we love. And we need to do so because, because times are ticking away and the days are evil and they're growing short. And the thing that matters most is the ones we love the most and the ones we call family. Help us to be faithful with the task and good stewards of what you've given us. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Before you leave, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, we'll have people up here to pray. Don't just hear about legacy. Let's do it. Have a great week.